how's everyone doing this morning? Good? See, most people are doing well. Yes, I see maybe some tired faces too. Maybe some junior high and high school students who are finishing their reading and projects and studying for tests. Uh, and for those students who are out there, know that I am with you. I also have one paper left to write before, before I'm on break, and then I can go see the new Star Wars with Becky. Um, <laughs> priorities. But I am excited. Uh, I know some of you have already seen it. Don't say anything. I will avoid you after the service. Uh, I've been purposeful, taking a page out of my brother-in-law's book. Uh, I, don't, I didn't see any previews. I don't know anything. Uh, I've been avoiding. I want to have a blank slate, uh, just go in there and be able to process for myself um, and analyze everything. But it's hard because uh, it's everywhere. Star Wars, is, it's, it's all over the place. They're very intentional in doing that. Uh, and I've had to be intentional in avoiding it. Um, but whoever's in charge of advertising and marketing and promotion is doing a heck of a job. Uh, a little bit more about that. Just The new movie was announced earlier this year, and the trailers came out, and toys have come out, even at the K-Kids event this past you know, couple weeks ago. Uh, walking down the toy aisles, I didn't. there were so many new Star Wars toys that I didn't know. And I'm assuming they're from the new movie. Again, don't say anything. Um, and then even trailers have been coming out and extended trailers. And Wayne and I got the chance to go to a Kings game this past week. And during one of the timeouts or halftime, there was an extended trailer on the big screen. So I had to leave. <laughs> and I got some food. And it was great. Um, but it's hard to remain in the dark about all this. And needless to say, I'm pretty sure the whole world knows about this new movie and you're probably asking, why am I talking about Star Wars so much? Well, as we continue in our Advent series, and as I was studying this week, uh, I was just looking at, you know, the coming of Christ and how God brought that about, and then being surrounded today by all the promotion and marketing and advertising, and then there's just a stark contrast to today's style and what is happening and then to what God was doing and how the biggest news of all was done in a very, very different way way, a bit of an unorthodox way, about something that's way larger than any movie or any series and is way more meaningful. The birth of Christ uh, deserved the biggest announcement, and yet it was done, again, in something of a bit of an unusual way. God goes about announcing the coming of Christ as we would, not as we would think uh, best. We've seen that after years of silence he sends angels, but who does he send them to? Uh, well, he sends them to the soon-to-be parents. That's pretty good. That's normal. But they have to keep things to themselves because of the scrutiny that they would face about Mary being pregnant before uh, being married. And then an angel visits Zechariah, as we learned last week, but he's mute for several months, so no one's really hearing about Christ. And then later on in Jesus' life, there's John the Baptist, um, whose purpose is to prepare the way for Jesus, but he lives uh, in the wilderness. He's a wild man. And I think the stereotype of men that live in the wild was true back then as it is true today. You know, it's kind of out there. Uh, they don't necessarily appeal to the masses. And then from this morning's passage, we'll see that there are the shepherds. All these people were involved in the announcing of Christ. And we'll learn today that the shepherds were not necessarily that big of a deal during Bible times. I say all this fully acknowledging that God knew what he was doing. 
just to point out that it's a bit unusual. When planning to promote or announce Jesus and his ministry, we would probably not choose these people or do it in this way. An engaged couple from a no-name town, a priest who doubted the plan and so won't be able to speak, a man who will live in the wilderness, and then on the night of Jesus' birth, shepherds. But like I said, God was very intentional, and we've seen the truth revealed to Mary, to Zechariah, and now we'll look at the shepherd's experience. And I'm excited for what God uh, will continue to do through this story and through our series, this revealed series. So I will read our passage, I will pray, and then I just want to simply walk us through Luke 2 and, uh, and this encounter that the shepherds have that send them on the journey of a lifetime. So turning your Bibles to Luke 2, I'll be reading from 1, verse 1 to verse 20. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria, and all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son, and wrapped him in swaddling cloths, and laid him in a manger, because there was no place for them in the inn. And in the same region... There were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told to them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds had told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told to them. Let's pray. God, thank you for our time this morning where we can come together to read and hear from your word. And as we take a deeper look into the story of the shepherds today and the way you worked in their lives, I pray that you would reveal truth to us just as you did for them that night. God, open your scriptures to us that we may know you, know that you are good and that you pursue us, you want relationship with us, which is why you sent your son to earth to die to die the death that we deserved. And in so doing, saved us, God, that we could spend eternal life with you. Thank you for your truth. May it be heard, received, and even believed today, God. 
we give all this to you, and it's in your son's name we pray. Amen. Let's dive in. At the beginning of chapter 2, we see Mary and Joseph uh, traveling to Bethlehem because they need to register. And because this registration is happening, the entire town is packed. They were a little late to the show, didn't get any room. Um, And so they find shelter in this stable. And while there, Mary goes into labor and gives birth to Jesus. And we see that the Messiah is born in this humble and lowly setting. And then the author Luke starts telling us about shepherds. And before we continue in our passage, I think it's important that we spend some time knowing more about who shepherds are. Obviously, we know they shepherd. Uh, but who are they? Who, who are shepherds in the Bible? Well, shepherds actually kind of have a bad rap. They don't have the best reputation, and there's a couple reasons why. First is that because of their job, they were not always able to attend the religious ceremonies that were custom for the people. And because they were out in the fields working with the animals, they were also considered unclean. And so because of this, uh, they were looked down on by the religious leaders. Second thing is that also due to their job and the roaming that happens when uh, taking care of a herd of animals, they seem to have a problem of mixing what is theirs and what is other people's. Um, As some religious theologians have put it, the classic mine and thine confusion. And maybe the biggest thing is because of all this, because they were considered, um, because of all this, they were considered unreliable. And because they were considered unreliable, their testimony did not count in court. They could not bear witness to anything in the court of law. And so all this, when I was finding out about shepherds, was kind of a bummer. But I did find something else about Shepherds, and apparently it comes from this place that we're told about in Luke, this place where the shepherds were keeping watch over their sheep, was a field that was used by shepherds at the time whose sheep were kept for temple sacrifice. These sheep could be used in the temple as a sacrifice for the forgiveness of people's sins. And I love the connection here. As we'll see in our passage, these shepherds hear about Jesus and go to see the Christ who came to earth to be the ultimate sacrifice for all of our sins. Jesus came not just to forgive sins, but that could already happen. You know, the temple and the sacrifices up there, that that was already in place. But Jesus came to set us free from sin, the ultimate sacrifice. So in Luke, we'll see uh, who the shepherds are and what they do, but we'll also see who Jesus is and what he will do. I think this background of who the shepherds are uh, also fits into God's MO of using the unusual, going about, going about it in a way that's a bit unconventional. So now armed with more information, we have a better uh, understanding of who shepherds are, and I want to simply walk through this passage and see the story and the truth that is revealed to us by God. And I find it helpful to put myself into the story, so I want to try to do that with all of us this morning. When we look at this passage in verses 8 through 20, uh, I see it in two parts. And the first is found in verses 8 through 14, and that is the revelation of the Christ. And then the second is in verses 15 through 20, and that is the response to the Christ. So let's put ourselves in the story and the revelation of the Christ, and it starts in verse 8. 
In the same region, there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. So we have our setting. There's shepherds, shepherding. It's night out. Verse 9 begins, And an angel of the Lord appeared to them. Beyond just saying that out of nowhere an angel of the Lord appeared, this is also telling us that God is on the move, right? This, after years of silence between God and his people, this is now the third encounter with an angel in less than a year. So something is definitely happening. God is trying to get some people's attention about his plans. Verse 9 continues, And the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were, fear, and they were filled with great fear. So while this is a heavenly sight, the glory of the Lord shining around them, it is also terrifying. Angels' first words to people who see them is always, fear not, don't be afraid. Because it's seriously intense. Not from personal experience, but just knowing seeing an angel would be terrifying. And not only that, but it comes in the middle of the night out of nowhere. Uh, I'm sure they have a routine. They've been doing this all their lives, and never before has anything like this happened. This is the verse that, in my time of study, I sometimes wonder how I would react if I was here. Uh, And I think filled with great fear is putting it lightly. (laughs) Verse 10 says, And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Good news of great joy. I want to pause here for just a moment and think about that phrase, good news of great joy. The gospel is being shared right here. This is the good news. And the angel says to the shepherd, good news of great joy. The word here for joy is chara. And I want to give us some context to this joy. So chara is used in scripture uh, referring to the feeling one gets after a great harvest. Maybe some of you know what that feels like. I didn't know what a great harvest feels like. Uh, The joy you get at a wedding. Uh, Parents can find joy in their children. Proverbs says that good perfume brings joy to your nose like a good friend brings to your heart. So this is the joy that we're talking about. And while all these things are good, the Bible, as we know, is not just a joy fest. The world is full of situations that rob us of our hope and our joy. For example, we see this in the Old Testament when Moses led the Israelites out of Egypt, but into the wilderness. So, and the first thing that the people do is they sing for joy, chara. Even though they were in the wilderness, they sung for joy. And this shows us that this joy in, this, in the wilderness, this chara, is not based on their circumstances or on their current struggle, but their future destiny. So this good news of great joy in Luke, likewise, tells us that Christ will come, not freeing us from our current circumstances or our current struggles, but of a joy that points to a future destiny. And imagine these shepherds who are on the outskirts, uh, lower in the social ranks, who don't have the best reputation, hearing this news that this great joy is for them too. Have you ever felt left out by news that did not seem to include you? That somehow we don't qualify, we're not included in whatever that good news is about? I think we've all felt that. And what I love is that this good news, the gospel, is for all people. 
Verse 11 reads, For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Immediately the angel puts it together for them. There is a connection made about who this Savior is. This child is the Lord. I think Paul puts it best in Philippians 2. Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. And again, I just love the connection that these shepherds, who, whose job may have been to keep the sheep that are for the sacrifice of the temple, are here now witnessing God, Jesus, who will be the ultimate sacrifice. This is who was born that day. Jesus, the God-man, come to bear our sin and die our death, our Savior. And then verse 12, And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. This God, this Savior, does not have a royal or kingly setting, but is found in a manger. Again, God's unorthodox way. And 13, And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God. Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. Immediately following this announcement of Christ, there is praise. Heavenly praise of God Almighty and the work that he is doing and will do. This is one big, this is probably more of what we would think of in an announcement of who if God is coming down. It would be a heavenly host of angels. But again, not the whole world gets to see this, just these shepherds that night. And it's a multitude of angels. Uh, could be translated as an army of angels. And so I love this paradox too. That an army of angels is proclaiming the peace of God. How awesome is that? Only in God's kingdom does that happen. And it says, with whom he is well pleased. The emphasis here is on God, what he is doing. Uh, God is giving the peace. He is the source. It is completely from him. And so here we've seen in verses 8 through 14, the gospel share, the revelation of truth from the angel and the angel's response of praising God. Now I want to see the shepherd's response in verses 15 through 20. This is the second half of our passage, the response to the Christ. Verse 15 says, When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known, made known to us. So the angels leave, they head out, and the shepherds decide to check it out. They begin this journey to go see Jesus. And the angels told them what to look for, the sign of the baby wrapped in swaddling cloths lying in a manger. And so they go. And I like how the angels didn't say go. They didn't instruct go and go find. They just said, you will, as a sign, you will find. You will, um, they just knew that, well, I can't get ahead of myself. There's a point later. I'll reference this. <laughs> and I love that the shepherds went together. There's a unity and a bond and togetherness of they experience this heavenly host together, and they're going to go together to find out about Jesus. Verse 16, and they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. I think this verse shows us something about the gospel, the truth revealed to them. 
What did the shepherds do? They went with haste. Why? Because nothing else mattered at that moment. Jesus came first. And so we see there's a priority given to God. And that priority leads to urgency. It has to happen now. And they seem to get it. Uh, I think they're starting to, it's starting to click for them. And at this point in the story, I, I feel like I'm at the edge of my seat because things are happening. The gospel is being revealed. And you can see it in their minds that people are, are seeing Christ. And verse 17, And when they saw it, they made known the saying that, the, that had been told to them concerning this child. They found what the angel described to them. They found the Savior, Christ the Lord. And then they shared their story and what had been revealed to them. They shared what they knew about the Savior. And what they shared was focused on Christ. It centered on what they knew about Jesus and the baby in the manger. It wasn't a... uh, Yeah. When you think about what the shepherds may have known and how big God is, they may not have known a lot about God or the complexities of who Jesus is and coming down to be man. But they still shared what they knew. And I love the response that they get in verse 18. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. Man, so much is happening for these shepherds tonight. It's a big night for them. The word wondered here is not to doubt or question, but rather to be amazed or in awe of. These shepherds, whose testimony in normal life was not valid, who were not easily trusted, did not have a good reputation, were believed. Their testimony counted this night. God used them to carry his message and entrusted them with his truth. And then we come to verse 19, and this might be my favorite verse. I don't know if I'm allowed to have a favorite verse, but this is my favorite one in this passage. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. The mother of Jesus, hearing these amazing, incredible, unbelievable things about her child, treasures them in her heart. I imagine the shepherd's arrival and testimony was hugely affirming to her. Here are these men out doing their job, watching the sheep by night, hear God through the angels, and come immediately to see the baby in the manger. And when they get there, they explain why they've come, and while also acknowledging that this baby really is the Messiah, is Christ the Lord. And yes, the angel came to her months ago, but now she's hearing it again from other people. And even though they are shepherds and carry a certain reputation, I think Mary can relate. It's God's unorthodox way after all, right? Something she's quite familiar with. Why her? Why a girl from a no-name town? It could definitely be these shepherds. And then our passage ends in verse 20. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. They just went back to being shepherds. They went on with their life. And their lives, but we do know that their lives were changed. To what extent? I don't know. I've been wrestling with this all week. Does this encounter with God, uh, with Jesus in the manger, and their glorifying and praising God mean that they have saving faith for eternity? I I don't know. I can't answer that. But what I can say is that they were undoubtedly changed after encountering Jesus, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen. How cool is that? These shepherds got to be a part of the biggest story ever. 
the biggest announcement of all time. All right, shifting gears a bit. So what? What does this mean for you and me this morning? What is God revealing to you through the story of Jesus' birth and the account of the shepherds in the field that night? We saw the revelation of the Christ, and then we saw the response to the Christ, and so I want to challenge us along the same vein. First, as it pertains to the revelation of the Christ. Number one, know that you are valued. I've tried to emphasize this morning the glimpse that we get at how God works and how God works is not how the world does. If you've ever questioned if you're good enough, if you've ever questioned whether you are of value to anyone, then question no longer. Because we see the truth right here, it's about the fact that God has come to the meek and lowly, just like he came to the shepherds and included them. He has come to each and every one of you. No matter what the world says about you or how the world views you, you can know that God loves you and values you and that you too have been entrusted with his truth. Second, know that encountering God changes you. You cannot be the same after you have encountered Christ. Either your heart will be hardened towards God or it will be softened towards his truth. And we need to know that the people that we share the gospel with will be affected by hearing God's truth, by encountering him. Hopefully, eyes are open to sin and to the need of Christ's redeeming love. The shepherds here, we see that their hearts were softened. They, needed, they wanted to go see Christ, and it changed them. So, in revelation of the Christ, know that you are valued and know that encountering God means change. And now I want to challenge us in our response to the Christ. And my first encouragement is to be like Mary. Be like Mary by pondering and treasuring what God is doing in your life. We see this from Mary a couple weeks ago in my sermon on, in chapter 1, Mary's Magnificat. We see her pondering and treasuring what God is doing after her encounter with the angel and after talking with Elizabeth. And now in chapter 2, we see her pondering and treasuring after the shepherds have shared what they know about her son. It's this idea of treasuring what God is doing uh, for you personally. I, this idea really sticks out to me. I got some advice recently from a local pastor who's been serving uh, their church for many, many years. And she said, keep a love file. Why? Because you're going to need it. Uh, this love file is just a place to keep cards and notes and records of what God has done in your life, the things that he has answered, the good things, the things that we can praise him for. Keep a record of it because there's going to come a time when you're discouraged, when you're struggling, maybe when you're doubting where God is leading you, and you need to look back and see what he has done, the goodness of God. So treasure up these things that he has done for future times of hardship. Build up this treasure that you can draw from when you need it. Be like Mary and treasure what God has done in your life. The second is to be like the shepherds. I have three, thing, three ways of being like shepherds. Don't worry, none of them include animals. Number one, I thought that was going to be funnier. Okay. <laughs> thanks, for the, thanks for the pity laughs. Um, <laughs> no, number one, 
Prioritize and be urgent. After learning about Jesus, the shepherds went immediately to see Christ. Everything else came second at that point. So for those of you who do know Christ, heed his calling. If God is directing you somewhere, you need to follow and follow immediately. And for those of you this morning who don't know Christ, be like the shepherds and go and see for yourselves who Christ is. Know that Christ is for you. He took on flesh. He bore your sin. He died your death that you deserve to set you free from sin, that you would no longer have to be enslaved to sin, that you could have eternal life with him. Know that Christmas, the birth of Christ, is for you. That was number one. Number two, have a Christ-centered testimony. In other words, uh, the way you live your life and what you say, uh, what people see of you, make sure it revolves around God. I imagine many of you will be spending extended time with family and friends this holiday season. And there's a lot to catch up on, a lot to talk about. But make sure that in those conversations, when you're around your family, make sure that they can see Christ in you. It's not about politics or sports or hobbies or school. You can talk about those things and share life over those things, but make sure that's not what your life is centered on. This one was a, is a hard one for me because I can talk sports all day. Sometimes I want to because it's easier. But I want to push myself to make sure that every aspect, people are seeing Christ in me first and foremost. And then number three, share what you know. The shepherds told those present with Mary and Joseph what had happened to them. They didn't know every detail about Christ or who God is. Uh, yeah, they're shepherds. I'm not sure they really could grasp everything about God, but they did share. Great news of great, good news of great joy, and that this night a Savior was born who is Christ the Lord. That's it. That's what they told. You don't have to worry about knowing every answer to every question in order to share the gospel. Yes, you should seek to know more about God, but in that process of learning, still share. Continue to share. Months back, Dr. Nystrom preached here at East Parkway about this idea of witness and how a witness in the court of law just gives account of their side. They don't know the whole story necessarily, but they just give account for what they know. And that's what we are called to do too. We're called to witness, tell people what we know about Christ. Share what you know about your Savior. So, to wrap up this morning, know that you are valued that God values you, and know that when one encounters God, it changes them. And then be like Mary, by pondering and treasuring up what God has done in your life, because you will need it at some point. And be like the shepherds. Prioritize and be urgent about God. Have a Christ-centered testimony, and share what you know with the people around you. This Christmas season, praise God for the birth of of Christ our Savior, who came to die, not just to forgive, but to set us free from sin. These shepherds in Luke 2, watching over the sheep, witness Christ, who would become the ultimate sacrifice. And we get, we're on the other side of that now. Jesus did sacrifice, and we have eternal life with him. We have so much reason this Christmas for joy.
for that chara in our lives. Let's pray. God, thank you for thank you for the truth in your word to, to tell us that what, have you, what you have done for us, God, for the love that you have poured out, for the grace that we can have, salvation that we can have. And it was through your son coming to die on a cross. But in this moment in chapter 2, Lord, we just see this beautiful picture of Jesus being proclaimed and then you know, the first account of who God is, the shepherds were witnessing about you, God. So I pray that for today, for us this morning, as we uh, sing and, and then we head on with our lives, I pray that we would be like Mary. That you would help us to remember and to store the, the things that you've done, to remember that you have worked and are working in our lives. And God, that we would be like the shepherds too. We want to put you first, God. Nothing else should come before you. I pray that it would be true of everyone in this room. And if it's not, that we would work on changing that. God, I pray that in this holiday season, whoever we're around, whoever sees us, whoever we're in conversation with, that they would be able to see through us to you, God. That you would be first, that our lives would be centered around you. And give us courage to share. Give us confidence, Lord, in in what we do know about you. And give us humbleness in our sharing to admit that there's more to know about you and that we don't know everything, but what we do know changed us. So we pray this in your son's name. Amen.